This is the Dennis Miller Option. Your source of opinions, stories, and laughs from comedian and inactivist Dennis Miller, his guy Friday Christian Blatt, and superstar producer Lindsay Floyd. And now, it's him, Dennis Miller. Hey folks, welcome to the Dennis Miller Option. Gather round. Grab a degustif. Sit at my knee. Let's talk about the orgy of safety that has taken over the planet. Please help learn us teach. Yeah, let's all live a few years more. Let's live till we're 98 because we're getting on so well with each other. Not your family, but I mean the world at large. Let's stay together as long as we can because you can see it's a love fest. Yeah. <laughs> How many years have I been telling you, Christian? By losing, by Hillary losing, they won because I said they, they will not be adherent on the left to anything anymore. Anything goes. Yeah. And I said in the right, it'll be all people bragging about how, don't knock out my, you know, all that. Nobody's going to do anything. Thank God. But, you know, people are what they are. It's, you know, they're setting up cities inside cities. Nobody's going to do anything. And I, you know, if you think about it, take the next step. That's the way it should be. One side just uh, has decided they're not going to be adherent to any of the protocols now. Um, that would be the left-leaning side of the world. And the right-leaning side, there's a reason you're on the right. By and large, you're conservative. And conservative usually means you're adherent to the, the dictums of the world. And uh, you will go to great lengths to not uh, rock the boat. And so everybody just get used to it. This is the new way. People will do what they want. And <laughs> as I said, thankfully, nobody's going to do anything about it on the right. So just get your head around it. It's all right. It's fine. You will know, lead your life. All these people are talking about uh, they're going to go out and, what, start the Civil War again. <laughs> Folks, as I've said before, uh, Civil Warring is a job Americans won't do anymore. <laughs> We will eventually have to farm the Civil War out. But uh, enjoy your days. Live your life inside out. Uh, if you live outside in, I think you'll be crushed right now. And this is about as political as I'm going to get. I'm going to start talking about it. I thought I'd talk to Christian about our favorite soups today. I'm going to do stuff like that because I think anything can kind of be entertaining. Lobster bisque. Except the world around us. Well, hang on to that. Hang on to that. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just so excited. <laughs> don't don't screw the pooch. I, I know you are, and that's what I'm saying. Anything can be interesting right now, except the world. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Uh, we're gonna have uh, who's on? Alice Cooper later. Yes, sir. The great Vincent Fournier, who held the uh, Arizona cross country record for many years. It was like one of those Bob Beeman records. I think it fell eventually, but the coop held it for a long time. One of the funniest days of my life, golfing with uh, what a group that was. Coop in, in Vegas. Coop, I, Rocky, um, and I don't mean Stallone, Rocky Washington. No, Stallone. Uh, Jimmy Woods. Jimmy Woods' caddy and friend was the guy from the Four Seasons who bet all the money and got them in trouble. Did you ever see that movie, Jersey Boys? Oh, yeah, sure. Well, there's one guy who screws up and gets them in debt. 
and uh, he's uh, Pesci's. Uh, Pesci was uh, the other guy with us. We were fivesome at uh, some charity thing. What was it for? I can't even remember. Mikey Douglas was there. I wasn't with him that day, though. I was with Coop, McConaughey, Stallone, Pesci, and Woods. And, oh, I cannot tell you how we laughed. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, all stuff that would get you thrown and uh, politically correct. Who's gal? No. This back when oh. people were just having kinds of guys out on the course. Stallone hit a ball so far. Uh, John Glenn lost heat towels re-entering the atmosphere on it. He was not the best golfer, but I'm telling you, he he hit one so hard, and that was his intent. He's on, you know, it's like uh, Happy Gilmore if he was. He doesn't speak like Rocky. You can hear he was so good at that though that you can't help but hear it in there. But it's like Rocky on some ginkgo biloba. You know, it's not oh yeah. A link. It's I'm going to hit up. Man, what am I going to sound stupid? He's anything but. By the way, have you ever read his book, Paradise Road? Or Paradise Road, I think it's called. Uh, he's an interesting writer, Sly. you got to read it. And uh, it was funny. For a while, we were talking on the phone. We'd go back and forth. And then I hadn't waited a couple months, as I do. You know how reticent I am, Christian. But you meet Rocky, for God's sakes. He gives you his phone number. He says, give me a call. We will talk. So I started calling Rocky a couple times. And then I didn't wait the requisite two months I should because I didn't want to bother him. I waited around seven weeks and I called him and I was bothered. (laughs) I love that. I could just tell right away. Oh, and you know me. I folded. I discarded. I folded. I I went quasi-fetal in a... In a tin drum and went over the uh, the Canadian Falls. Oh God, I was so up. I literally racked with uh, muscle pain for days because I'd clinch up. So anyway, uh, Jimmy Woods, hilarious and more unguarded than most. Pesci, I had some history with because I remember I did the GQ Awards once or something, and he came to my dressing room as Tommy. You write me some fucking jokes. I go, this is so beautiful. <laughs> he came, I said, please keep doing Tommy from Goodfellas and tell me if you don't, you'll shoot my foot off. And he did. So he was good nature. <laughs> and then he introduced his friend to me, his aide de camp. When I say caddy, I don't want to make it like he's a minion. They seem best of friends, but I would say he was his major domo. And it turns out he was the guy in... Uh, Jersey boys who screwed up uh, Frankie Valley's funds and that. Uh, and uh, who else? The coop hit the most beautiful, repetitive, I wouldn't call it a power fade, but a light fade. It wasn't Trevino-esque, but it was sweet, and he repeated it every shot. And McConaughey, just cool, shit kicker. And then later that night, we all went to see uh, Celine Dion. Ironically, not at Caesars at a strip show off the uh, off the strip. Mm, no, I'm kidding. It was <laughs> she didn't strip she was, for a living. She was workshopping her new song about Titanic. She wanted to go back in and do another one. Yeah, 
I remember the the night uh, she had the uh, four throne carriers bring her into her own wedding, and they hit an ice cube in somebody's uh, RV wall banger, and. Uh, <laughs> So we got Coop coming up later, unless he hears this. We do. I can't even think of a word that rhymes. (laughs) (laughs) We got no class. We got no innocence. I bet you the Coop's over with Shep, and uh, we allowed to say he's in Florida. I don't want to, or Hawaii. I don't want to blow his cover. I'm fairly sure that's where he is. I, I don't think he's pretending to not be there yet. Yeah, he isn't. I saw that he's in Hawaii, so yeah, I bet he's with Shep. And uh, Shep Gordon, super mensch to you. I knew Shep for ages from Michael Douglas. We went on a wine tour once of uh, Bordeaux, and, and these animals would be riding 20-mile bike rides in the day, and, uh, you know, I'd be peeing Sauterne and laying in an air-conditioned boat. But we'll talk to the great Alice Cooper and see if he's over at Shep. Shep's had a great restaurant. I remember they had an absolutely killer pineapple upside-down cake. It was way up country, uh, I think in Maui. Yeah, it was Maui, because I was at that Marriott down there that... Uh, it was so great. It had a complete water park, and uh, they never spent a uh, a penny on actual water because it was all filled with uh, pediatric whiz. They would just get the kids out there early for some special <laughs> class, and then it just turned into a uh, well yellow water rafting. I mean, it was like uh, deliverance of bad kidneys. <laughs> Look what I'm doing, Christian. Submit this place for my. Marconi Award. <laughs> yeah. What's the what's the podcast award, Lindsay? Do they have like a potties or what what is the podcast award that they have? Hey, potty mouth. I forgot they were called, but we were in the entries last year. I'll have to look it up. Lindsay, um Christian, I don't want to bugger and end up with yep. a court. Can you ask Lindsay never to be that animated again? Because I'm, I'm trying to run. Sorry, Dennis. Yeah. Uh, that's it. Animation makes me when we're all having fun together, you're at about an eight. <laughs> I get uh, uptight, as I think we said, like the new Christy minstrels. So let's just notch it down from an eight to a two. All right. Um, Christian, how are you today? You sound sharp. You sound like you're fogging the inverted mirror on your iron lung as you look <laughs> up at it. Are you? I am. I'm, uh, I'm relaxed. <laughs> Uh, the, the you know the the troubles are all far away, so uh, I can't like even I, think of a word to write. <laughs> it's like I've I, I'm living every day on the Cheers set, except I'm a little bit drunker. Oh, I'm having such a good day. I feel like I feel like I did the charts for Lover Boy. Everybody's working <laughs> for. I can't even think of a word to rhyme. <laughs> <laughs> Lindsay, Lindsay. Oh yeah, half laugh, um, half laugh. You know, I'm doing a TV show now, Christian, called yeah. Dennis Miller Plus One, and they came up and installed a studio here. What? Uh, in my studio. I, I just came in. It's like I'm on Cecil B. DeMille's set in Sunset Boulevard. Lights, some sort of a new computer to look into. 
and I just found a uh, some sort of little lipstick my lodged in my taint. When did they install that? <laughs> That's the odd thing. They didn't need to. It's just uh, I thought you would enjoy it. <laughs> so they just they Bluetoothed in. Yeah. To the pre-existing lipstick cam in my taint. Folks, you take away anything today. Take away the name of my soon-to-be autobiography. The pre-existing lipstick cam in my taint. Hey, I finished a... uh... (laughs) I finished a a book about... uh... There's a new book out called Dolls, Dolls, Dolls. About the uh, making of value of the dolls. So it's it takes it a little too seriously, you know. I'll start talking about scene fourteen. They wanted to use this, uh, you know, so that gets a little tired. But some of the stuff's just so funny how bitchy it is and how corrupt movies are and uh, how they uh, they got they didn't quite know what to do with uh, Valley of the Dolls too. They were going to do a sequel called that Jackie Suzanne had called Beyond the Valley of the Dolls, but. One, which was quite frankly supposed to be good, if you can believe that, at one point that they thought that was going to be good, no, was so bad <laughs> that they didn't know what to do. It made a lot of money though, sure, and they didn't know what to do on the second one because if they made it good, the first one would be looked at as what happened to the first one. <laughs> so they had to down market the second one, <laughs> and that's how they end up with Russ Meyer and. Edie Williams, uh, I remember it. I can't remember who else. Dolly Reed Martin, who was Dick Martin's wife. Sorry, I only remember the women, but uh, and the Strawberry Alarm Clock was in it. It turned into a drive-in movie, a TNA movie, uh, and it was called Beyond the Valley of the Dolls, written surprisingly by Roger Ebert. So the next time uh, you ever watch a classic, and people believe it or not, going back and watching m- movie things from the past, you know, movie reviews. That's that's how hard up we are for entertainment <laughs> hey i'm gonna go back and watch a wally yeah <laughs> review <laughs> i'm gene siskel i love wally <laughs> well i'm roger ebert and to love this you'd have to be wall-eyed <laughs> and i'm gene shallot it's wall-to-wall fun with wally <laughs> <laughs> Imagine that you were thought to be downstream from Cisco and Ebert. <laughs> Gene. Uh, oh, God, he was horrible, wasn't he? Gee, he might be the greatest guy who ever lived. Uh, you know, people always say, that. how do you know? I don't. I'm just talking about as a movie reviewer, that whole uh, conceit of coming on and any movie. Gone with the wind. It's gone with the times. You know, anything. <laughs> You could write it anytime anybody, including a member of your fandom that just was in a bobsled incident on a chicane turn and didn't have a helmet on, could write the lead of your review. You're not a good reviewer. Like your completely flatline uh, electroencephalogram. And uh, they come in and they, you know, you haven't blipped in months. And the neurologist just says, driving Miss Daisy. And all of a sudden, you sit up and go, it's driven me crazy. <laughs> and then you don't speak again and you shit yourself. That's when you know you're a bad reviewer. There are signs I look for. You know that. Sure. And that's one of them. That's a tea leaf you can read. 
I've mentioned this to you before, but uh, an ex-girlfriend of mine who worked at NBC had a box of love notes that... Wait a second, wait a second. You, you know I've asked you for 15 seconds of downtime to get my head around the fact that you f so give me a second here. No, it was, it, was all, uh, it was all above the waist stuff, so don't worry. It's not as gross as you think. Christian had a girlfriend, and at one point they went into a room... All right, what's the rest of the story? Because, you know, I have to... She had a box of love notes from Jean Shalit. Oh, but wait a second. You know, I told you never say the word box when you're telling me a story about how you used to. <laughs> she had a cardboard... It was a milk container. <laughs> okay, better, better. Milk, yeah. breast, wait, yeah. give me something wait. else. She had a... Uh, something that's not... Bucket. Bucket. All right, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> you tell me now you've been with buckets. <laughs> In Gene Shallot's love notes, he's always like, I'm sitting down to record the new Critics Corner for the Today Show, and I thought I'd just take up. So he's always like trying to like name drop that he's famous when he's writing her letters. It's uh, this I bucket I film pals. Him. Bucket. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> This bucket can't even hold water. There you go. Huh? Jack and Jill both ask for their money back. <laughs> Joe and Jill Biden went up the hill to fetch a pail of power. Wow. So Alice Cooper is joining us. He writes better songs than that. Christian, that's 10 minutes from now, right? That is 10 minutes from now, yeah. And we have the coop for 15. Yeah, we got him for a hard 15. Right, I understand. He's stacked up like, what, did you mistake that I thought he liked me? No, 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 no. I knew that. You got to hit me with that? I knew you knew better. Listen, I'm bailing out at 14, just to show you I'm not as needy as you think I am. <laughs> I'm going to say, Coop, I'm sorry, but I've got an interview with the bassist from Blood Rock. I got a blow. <laughs> <laughs> You don't have to remind me that it's a hard out. <laughs> Jesus. Well, you let, I, can you not pretend I'm in show business for a second today? That you get, hey, Dennis, Dennis, they've got a gun to his head. And if he's not off at 15, the North Koreans will blow his head off. I get it. It's pretty much what they told me. <laughs> for a second, I, you know. Might have thought that I was vaguely, you know, on the uh, there be dragons part of the showbiz map, but no, you have to come in. He has fifteen, and then uh, they'll release his loved ones back to him, and he'll. <laughs> That's how we got him on. Yeah. Uh... Now more than ever, we're all thinking about our health. But if you're like me, it's hard to even imagine going to a doctor's office right now. Thankfully, there's a practical and affordable way to take control of your health and get personalized care from the comfort of your home. SteadyMD is your personal doctor online. It's telehealth done right. You start by taking a quiz to get matched with a licensed primary care physician who understands your lifestyle and your health needs. Next, you have a one-hour appointment with your doctor to start a real relationship. After that, your doctor is available to you anytime by text, phone, or video chat. 
Unlike other services, this isn't a random doctor on call. Each SteadyMD doctor has a limited number of patients, so they have time to listen and give you the personal attention you deserve. I took the quiz, and bingo, they got right back to me asking me if I wanted to meet up with my doc already. I said at the moment, thankfully, I am in fine fettle but I will let them know as soon as I need them. They wrote back very nicely and said, okay, call us at any time with anything. Some of the most popular lifestyle health matches are for paleo, gluten-free, keto, Whole30, vegetarian, running, functional fitness, high blood pressure, anxiety, depression, thyroid issues, obesity, and asthma. And there's somebody on the other end who will take care of that specific issue for you. SteadyMD can help you get and stay healthy, manage chronic conditions and concerns, reduce stress, lose weight, sleep better, feel better, boost your immunity, and much, much more. All from the comfort of your home. Skip the waiting room. Skip the germs. Prescriptions sent to your home or local pharmacy. All your medical records in one place. And you get unlimited access to your doctor. Only $99 per month. No additional visit fees or co-pays. SteadyMD will even help you understand and get the most out of your health insurance, but insurance is not required. SteadyMD is now accepting members of all ages in all 50 states. Go to SteadyMD.com Dennis to take the free quiz and see which doctor is the perfect fit for you. SteadyMD.com Dennis. There is no risk, no long-term commitment to get started. That's SteadyMD.com slash Dennis, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. You know what? It's just what the doctor ordered. You know what I want for Christmas, Christian? What's that? Piers Brosnan's titanium valise that he kept the door open at the art museum from the remake of the Thomas Crown. (laughs) I could make a few calls. Don't ask me why. (laughs) Hey. But uh, it, it uh, well, I'll tell you, I have to grit my teeth so hard to work with you. I'd like to put that in there to keep <laughs> them apart. Oh, that's the nicest thing you've ever said to me. Thank you, Christian. <laughs> Lindsay, okay today? Sounds, I can't tell if she's sobbing or laughing. How's your life, Lindsay? I'm doing well. Alex Cooper will join us in a few minutes. And I'm sorry, did she say something? She's just gasping for air. Hey, I watched a whack movie last night. I don't know what they're calling people from across the Pacific Ocean this weekend. I don't want to get in trouble with this. So you insert your own, you know, it changes so much that literally I'm going to have to describe things that things are about now in the future. And by the way, if anybody asks me a question about anything in the current event field, all I want you to do is say what you want the answer to be. Fax it to me, and I'll take it to a notary and sign it. But I don't want to actually chat anymore about what's inside my head. So if I'm asking a question about anything, that's all I ask. Send me a text, an email, a fax. Do they still exist? Chisel some clay tablets. Send it over to me. I'll take whatever your answer is that you want and expect down to the notary, and I'll sign it and send it back to you on my postage. Because I don't want to talk anymore about things. Um, because everybody's conversation is gone. So what were we talking about there, Chris? You uh, saw a movie from somewhere across the ocean. Oh, yeah. Well, the Pacific. 
you go to the water and then and i don't mean hawaii there's another set of countries over there and i don't know what they're being referred to now in the politically correct lexicon the people therein but it was called raise the red lantern from 1991 and uh, super trippy i watched out of africa the night before that and uh just stunning oh jesus cried i laughed i took out my catheter but last night I watched something called uh, Raise the Red Lantern. And I can't say it wasn't interesting and odd. It was about uh, four mistresses who lived together. And then at the end they had a fifth mistress with a master. And you wonder how women, women haven't gotten together way back in history and just killed all the men. Because crazy. This goofy, bland, you know, man in the gray flannel kimono jerk off. Um, had access to all these women. Now, his wife was, you know, old. She looked like Han in Enter the Dragon. And, uh, bullshit, Mr. Handman. You are right out of a cartoon. The great Jim Kelly, rest in peace. And then the second woman was, uh, mistress number two. And uh, what can I say about her? She has such a sympathetic face. She was beautifully cast. Very sweet. Sort of like an Asian B. Benadera. And that's Uncle Joe. He's moving kind of slow at the junction. Petticoat Junction. By the way, I've often cautioned if you're staying at the Shady Rest Hotel from Petticoat Junction, um, bring your own bottled water because the water tower is being, you know, swum in. What's the word? Pass for swim. Swam? Sweat. Uh, by uh, B. Benadera's three daughters, Bobby Joe, Billy Joe, and uh, Jojo Kiss or whatever that. No, the third Joe. And the one, the younger one, who really, they throw you a curve. You thought she was a lesbian because she was good at baseball. But she's dating a crop duster named Mike. And how many, geez, how many pesticides do you have to have on the guy you're bonking before you swim in the water tower and I'm at a hotel. So um, I guess what I'm saying is don't drink the water at the Shady Rest. But anyway, so she had an amiable, loving face like that. The third one was an opera singer, and uh, it goes all Casalian on her. And I don't mean John Cazeal. I mean Casalian. As in, uh, what was Casal's first name? Not Rosie Cassell, the tennis player. Wasn't there a famous singer? Callus. Sorry. Callus. I don't want to get callous on you. Nor will I. And then the fourth one is the one who is our protagonist. And then, as I said, there's a coda compubine later, but it's not really pertinent to the story. But trippy, weird, two hours. I think it was a Chinese film. Yes, it was Chinese, because an hour later I was hungry for a good film. Where is your worst spot that you can get an itch on your back that you can't get at? Do you have a spot? You know, you ever see, I always envy yogis because, you know, I have a spot. It's like that I sunk your battleship game where you say G4. Write it around A, B, C, D, 6. I have a spot I can't get to. And I'd say seven out of my 10 back itches come there. Where's your back itch come? We're, we take emails. Say your back's a battleship board. 
Yeah. Send us in where your spot you can't get at is. Just trying. Christian, they told me to relate to the people. Look, I don't have that problem because I use cryofreeze by Plexiderm. Mm-hmm. Well, how do you get it into that spot, though? Oh, you have the wife. Once again, I asked you for a warning when I have to think about you shirtless with a woman who you somehow convinced to have your children applying salves, unguents, and potions in between your shoulder blades. Because, man, I really have to go deep therapy there. Oh. Oh. Alice Cooper is going to join us in a second. And uh, Lindsay, Tink, Tinkerbell. Yes. <laughs> On the phone right now, Mr. Alice Cooper. The Coop. Hey, what's up? Brother, are you over in, uh, are you on the islands? I am in Arizona where it's 110 today. Wow, so it's a cool day there. You know what you know what they say, brother, is the corona doesn't survive in the hot weather, so I'm thinking global warming is gonna save us all. Wouldn't that be a science fiction film? <laughs> everybody's gonna move here. <laughs> <laughs> where where are you? I'm in Montecito, brother. It's around seventy eight, so it's still rife with virus out there. But hundred and ten oh. you can go out and take a deep breath. The great musician Alice Cooper. I saw Alice Cooper at the Stanley Theater. He must remember these gigs. Uh God, I can't even remember. It's gotta be in this I get out of high school in seventy one, somewhere in the early mid seventies. Blew my head up. Uh, killer had just uh, he walked into the room, and I don't know who with a magnifying glance, and he blew the place out. Alice, thanks for the great rock over the years, brother. Oh, you know what? Uh, you were my target audience. <laughs> <laughs> well, you hit it, baby. <laughs> well, I was looking for all the outsiders. You know, I wasn't looking for the. Crosby, Stills, and Nash bunch at all. No, I <laughs> listen. I, when I first heard eighteen, I said, "There's my anthem." Yeah, people were people were bringing up Freebird or the Decemberists. I'm telling you, my anthem was "I'm 18. I loved it. Yeah, you know, and nobody at the time that was just nothing but a jam. And Bob Ezrin listened to it and said, "That song, that edgy song, you keep singing. I'm edgy." I said, "No, it's I'm 18." And, you know, he saw the potential of that, saying, every kid is 18 at some point. Right. Let's make that an anthem, you know, and it really was an anthem, you know. The trick on that song was, I'm 18 and I like it, after all this complaining, you know. Yeah, I, when you start screaming that at the end in that repetitive code, it always reminds Listen, later on it was Cobain saying, here we are now, entertain us. But for my generation, it was, I'm 18, 18, 18. I got so mad when I heard that song, Teenage Spirit, Teen Spirit, because I said, I should have written that song, damn it. Yeah, it's a groovy song. Now, um, how's Shep doing? I haven't seen Shep in a while. Shep's got a little boy. Oh Jeff my God. had a baby at 74. Oh. Little Benny, Benny Gordon, and the cutest little guy you've ever seen. And, you, well, you know, you saw his, uh, you know, you saw his. Uh, yeah, the documentary. The, the, the Superman thing, you know. Yeah. yeah. Which was a, a giant e-harmony ad, really. 
<laughs> you know where else he comes off beautifully else is i watched the teddy prendergrass docu documentary and shep was yeah he, he was so menschy when when it hit the face can you think folks <laughs> think of the irony of teddy pendergrass being deadened from the waist down. i mean yeah the, the 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 shakespearean nature that boggles the mind and shep was right there for him <laughs> that was you know i mean i honestly this is honestly true. Now, Shep and I have been together 52 years. Wow. Right? And at one point, he actually asked Bob Ezrin, could you make them sound more like the spinners? <laughs> <laughs> he, he did. He never really liked our kind of rock and roll. You know, he was much more, you know, he was much more R&B. Right. You know, and Bob Ezrin said, Shep, no, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> We're talking to Alice Cooper, and uh, now, now uh, I, I listen. One of the funniest moments is the one time I've golfed with Alice. He would leave a putt short, and folks, for those of you who don't golf, when you leave a putt short, anybody screams out, "I hit it, Alice!" And it was just so funny the set of circumstances to hear a guy actually that, say hit, "hit it, Alice," and mean it. <laughs> that's my. That's actually my go-to line when I play tournaments. You know, and I hit a bad shot. It works in every hole. Get the ball, Alice. And everybody laughs. And I get to use it 18 times. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Brother, you had a beautiful repeating stroke, man. And I remember you, do, do I not remember you hitting a high power fade, sort of? I, you know, and I turned that into a little bit of a draw now. Oh, you did? Yeah, I got, I got in, into the inside of the ball. And, uh, you know, I worked with Johnny Miller a little bit. And Johnny Miller kind of really helped my... Uh, my my stroke. Now tell me, you're still playing golf? Oh, I haven't been out in ages, but uh, you know, uh, I I must say one of my favorite rounds of my life was with you and Sly, and uh, that that little draw that Johnny taught you must add what 15 yards to an already beautiful shot you had, man. Well, I'm you know I'm down playing for around two three handicap, but I play every day now that this is now that this you know the plague is hit. And uh, I'm, I'm expecting like fire breathing locusts next after this, um, that uh, all the courses were open in Arizona mm -hmm. all the time. You know, I, I, we, I was in, got stuck in Germany. I was in the middle of a tour and they said, okay, you got 48 hours to get out of Germany uh, or we're going to close the borders. And we got back and I found out all the golf courses were open. Everything else was closed. And I said, I don't care who this governor is. I don't care if he's Taliban. I'm voting for him. All the, all the courses are open. <laughs> I'm thinking of getting you a, a set of uh, coronavirus wood covers for Christmas. Maybe that would be. <laughs> okay, now here's what I got to ask you this, Dennis. Yeah. Do you know anybody that has coronavirus? Um, well, just Hanks, you know, and he had it early on. And I talked to him a little bit about it. Yeah, he got sick, but I know I, I don't know a lot of people, but Tom Hanks had it. I can't find anybody that knows anybody that has coronavirus. Well, you know, they say, Alice, you can have it and not know. So that's the weird thing. Well, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, about, about, about six months ago, I could not stop coughing. And it's my wife also, we were on tour and we could not stop coughing. And then I started, I started to reel it back and I went, maybe, maybe that was it, you know? Well, I had that same problem, and then I found out my doctor had just, my general practitioner had just hung on during my hernia test. So it was just a nonstop cough for months and months. 
Living with chronic pain is the worst. It's more than a feeling of discomfort. It can affect your whole life. Many of my listeners probably have some type of pain that has prevented them from relaxing, sleeping, or stopped them from exercising. Perhaps it's been ongoing for a few weeks now and hasn't improved with any of the treatments you've tried. I have pain in my uh, my knee, and I think I stepped in a hole when I was young. I kind of remember that. I can't remember if it's a false memory or if I remember it's a remembrance. Anyway, it doesn't hurt anymore, so it's even harder to isolate it. Enter Omax Health. If you're looking to get rid of nagging muscle and joint pain immediately while providing long-lasting recovery, then you need to try the natural breakthrough pain relief solution cryo-freeze CBD roll-on developed by Omax Health. This non-prescription triple-action pain relief roll-on is especially formulated to block pain receptors, reduce inflammation, and improve muscle and joint flexibility. And the best part? is it's 100% natural. The CBD-powered remedy works its magic within 10 minutes of application, and relief lasts up to eight hours, much longer than the over-the-counter products. I put it on once. It feels so good. I put it on again, but I don't need to, but I like the feeling. It's so cool. But put it on once, forget about it for eight hours. Omax Health is offering my listeners 20% off a full bottle of cryo-free CBD pain relief roll-on plus, plus free shipping. This discount also applies towards any product site-wide. So just go to omaxhealth.com today and enter code MILLER. That's O-M-A-X health.com and enter code MILLER to get 20% off cryo-freeze and anything else site-wide. Still not sold? What else can I proffer? Oh, Pro athletes such as PGA pro golfer Kyle Stanley use cryo-free CBD to recover both on and off the course. And go look at the product reviews. They've got 95% five-star reviews, page after page of customers saying they've tried everything and Omax cryo-freeze is so good, they're now buying it for their family and friends also. Anyone from athletes to Grandma Josie can benefit from this immediate pain relief. And if you're freaking out right now because your grandma actually is Josie, don't. I'm not watching. Just, just you know, and add. Take it easy. You have pain that won't go away, and then you qualify for Omax Cryo-Free. Simply roll it over where it hurts and ice out the pain. No messy creams or horrible fragrances like some of those other products. Cryo-Freeze works within 10 minutes of application, improving physical training, recovery, and performance. So go to omaxhealth.com. And enter code MILLER to get 20% off cryo-freeze and anything else site-wide. I'm telling you, this product is the real deal. So go to omaxhealth.com and enter code MILLER to get 20% off and then also 20% off anything site-wide. We're talking to Alice Cooper. Cooper, when you first moved out to L.A., I'm trying to think, did you have a, did you have a mentor? Or did somebody dig it? Because like you said, not everybody got it at first. But uh, do, do, do I think I heard, did Dweezil tell me that Frank was on to you guys early? Frank was the only one that would touch us. Everybody else, <laughs> you know, they, they, were, they were all looking for the 11, new Love and Spoonful or the new, you know, right. who was ever around at that time. The, door, the doors were, were emerging as the band right then in L.A. And the Buffalo Springfield, that was the sound, the L.A. sound. Sure. And all of a sudden, you know, here we were, and we were the anti-hippie band. We were the 
we didn't mind a little violence on stage, you know. Right. Uh, and it was just the opposite of what was going on. In fact, the way that we got with Frank was we played the Lenny Bruce birthday party at a place called uh, the Cheetah Club. Mm-hmm. Now, the Cheetah Club held 6,000 people. The Doors played, you know, Jefferson Airplane, all these great bands. 6,000 people on acid, all with their, you know, the peace signs flowing back and forth. And then the very last band was this band nobody had ever heard of called Alice Cooper. And we came on and up lighting <laughs> to make it extra scary. Right. We looked like everybody in the, in the band looked like Pennywise, you know, and, <laughs> <laughs> and we cleared that room in three songs. And I mean, people were breaking the doors down, trying to get out of the room uh, because it was just, we were such a bad trip, <laughs> you know, and Frank Zappa is standing there going, Anybody that has that much negative energy, I can I can deal with, you know. And the next thing you know, he signs us. Ah, beautiful. And that was, you know, that we out of nowhere, we we were on a record label that that surprised us. Well, you find the perfect cat. Oh yeah. Because, like I said, when I first saw you guys, I remember thinking, "Oh, this is per," you know, the makeup work for me. But listen, all that stuff. I, I, I'm not one of these cats who's going out at midnight to see the Rocky Horror Picture Show. I need rock and roll. Yeah. And I remember the first time I heard it, I just said, "What are you?" They blew the top of my head off. I thought these guys rock, and they rock hard. And then the second album comes out, and they're whoa, 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 whoa. So it was always about the music. For for me it, you know it always was we were a yardbirds band we i mean we, we of course everybody learned how to play rock and roll listening to the beatles that was that was like rock 101 and then you realized that in order to play beatles you had to know chuck berry mm-hmm. you had to play chuck berry because if you could learn chuck berry then you could play any rolling stone song you know it went on and on like a progression like that finally we kind of settled on the yardbirds because that was that sound of taking rock and blues and electrifying it and making it insanely cool, you know. And that was where we really started learning how to be Alice Cooper, you know. Um, And so the band was, the reason we're still here is because the only music that hasn't gone away is really hard rock. If you look, the Stones are still here, Guns N' Roses are still here, Aerosmith is still here, Alice Cooper's still here. No matter where music goes, hard rock, guitar rock, just cuts right through it. Yeah. We're talking to Alice Cooper. His website is alicecooper.com. You know him as the uh, Arizona State cross-country holder for Coop. That record stayed in there for a while, didn't it, brother? Yeah, quite a while. A guy did break my record, but he broke it... uh, I said, what, well, what, when did you run? You know? And he says, um, well, uh, December or something. And I said, no, 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 wait, I ran mine in July. <laughs> <laughs> I said, until, until you run the 24 miles in July, it's, you don't break my record. So I still have that record. No, that's inferno time. I can't imagine how hot your lungs were at that point. Oh. No, it was you know, David Spade. David Spade's from Phoenix, you know, and he says it's not the Valley of the Sun; it's the surface of the sun. Exactly. <laughs> hey, tell me about the new song. Don't give up. I guess you were in Germany. You must have been over there playing. And who's the band? Who's the song? Tell me. Tell me. It's you know, it's the uh, original band. I'm mean, not original band. It's the band I, I tour with. Mm-hmm. 
And the deal was, was I, I, I kind of looked at the whole thing. I saw the Stones did Ghost Town, and I saw Johnny Depp and, and Jeff Beck did Isolation, you know, the John, the John Lennon song. You know, and I went, well, I'm tired of, uh, of being a victim. What if Alice talks to the virus one-on-one <laughs> and just kind of punches the bully in the nose and says, enough. Okay, we're tired of this. We're going to be here a lot longer than you are. So, you know, and I think it gave the audience a different perspective of yeah. let's 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 be the Rocky that gets off the canvas and punches the guy and beats him. Catharsis, man. I agree with you completely. At some point, if I'm going on, I want to go out on my shield, not curled up and quasi fetal down in the rec room. You know, it's just, I, I don't know. You, you got to get on with it. Yeah. Hey, man, tell, tell me about the church stories real quickly. I know we only have you for 15, and I want to touch on this because I'm such a big Detroit rocker with the MC5. I love Mitch Ryder oh. and the Detroit Wheels. And uh, I was a huge fan of Farner, Shecker, and Brewer. I think Mel Shecker was in Question Mark and Mysterians, if I'm not mistaken, before Grand Funk wrote. Oh, my gosh. Dennis, I I, I got to tell you, I, when I do interviews for for Nights with Alice Cooper on the radio show, I, you know, I do, I re- do everybody. In fact, I'd love to get you on, on for my radio show. That would be. Oh, I'd love to be on. Well, Alice, please take me up on that. I'd love that. I would love to have you on because you're a rock guy and you know all about rock and roll. And, you you know, that delivery of yours is so great. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> I get question mark on the air. OK. Oh, you do. And 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 I'm doing the interview and I realize he's crying. And I go, well, um, what what's the matter? And he said, well, my three of my corgis died in a fire at my house. I went, oh, okay. And he said, but I, I have three more, you know, in Mars where I live. And I went, uh, Mars, Michigan. I, I, I get, and he said, no, no, Mars. <laughs> he says, well, you know, he says, you don't live on Mars. You live in Mars. And the air is actually food. And Elvis and Jim Morrison love it there. The rest of my interview was this. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Wow. Uh-huh. <laughs> It went on for 10 minutes, and I just went, I can't tell if he's putting me on or not. And then I realized he wasn't. No, he's in a little shock. And that's so weird. So if you get a chance, you want to interview him. <laughs> yeah, I'll try, to, I'll try to get him on. And that's so weird because my favorite uh, song from uh, back then for Question Mark and the Mysterians after 96 Tears was Six Corgis sure. Divided by Two. I think that was my second favorite song. So. <laughs> All right, big man, you sound good. And uh, tell them to call my, sh- if you got a publicist, call my show. I'd love to come on and talk to you. And I'm only wrapping up, baby, because you're they're loaded up like planes over O'Hare for you today. But Coop, you're a big influence on me, brother. I-, I love it, man. It's meant a lot to me from the time I was 18 on. I'm 66, brother, so thank you. Well, thank you, Ben Dennison. When I heard I was going to talk to you today, that was a highlight of my week, to be honest with you. Ah, that's sweet of you, brother. Uh, say hi to your wife, and uh, you're playing to a two. What a beast you are, man. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I'll see you down the road, Coop. All right. Later, Gator. Okay, Des. Talk to you later. Um, the great Alice Cooper. Well, Johnny Miller must have got into his head because, man, he was coming over a little, consistently a little bit over the top when I played him, and he hit this high fade. So you understand the draw. You drop it down more into the slot, and it, uh, what am I talking to you, Christian? You don't give a shit about golf. No, I'm I'm too busy composing an email. 
<laughs> Felix got it in the through the windmill and into Emmett Kelly's nose, and I get a free pizza. Shut up. What the? I'm too busy composing an email to Question Mark from Question Mark and the Mysterians. I want to have him on every show from here on in. <laughs> oh, Christian, please. Uh, forget it. How do we play it? Do we go in and say we've been warned these kooks? Or... Well, remember how you used to talk to Dr. Corsi? Yeah. Everything is like, oh, uh-huh, and what else? Yeah. What about this way? What about this play? What about this play? Um, what about? Hey, Question Mark. I uh, I called the guard shack at Mars today and tried to get Morrison, and they said he's busy, and they put me onto you. Well, he freaked out if I knew. <laughs> I I'd say don't open with it. You know what I mean? Because you wanna you wanna you wanna be able to get oh. some content out of it. Because I hear that content is king. What was what what happened to question mark? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> It, that's like uh, you know what that reminds me of. If he's if he's cruising around with all those guys. There's that book. It was called Lincoln in the Bardo or something. Do you remember that book? I, I know what you're talking about, but I can't remember what the title is. Yeah, it was about. Well, for those of you who don't know, Lincoln uh, used to <laughs> Richard. <Bardo. laughs> Abe Lincoln. Lincoln in the Bardo by George Saunders. Yeah. Yeah, a rail splitter, and. Uh, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have sworn, but... Why are you sorry? I wasn't talking about swearing, folks. I didn't just throw it out there. I was talking about, you know, you can't always say make love to, right? That doesn't work sometimes. I know I can't. Like when Abe... When, listen, when Abe Lincoln came to me, he said, I walked seven miles through the snow to Bridget Bordeaux. I said, who are you kidding? That's any president. That's even Andrew Johnson. And uh, <laughs> I wonder if Bardot's still alive. But there was a book called Lincoln in the Bardo or on the Bardo or near the Bardo or uh, uh, I thought you might be looking up. I was trying to buy a little time, but yeah, no, I told you it's called Lincoln in the Bardo by George Saunders. Oh, that's right, that's right. And I read a great George Saunders biography, something where he just self admits that uh, it's called Memories of a Bad Guy or Prick or something. It's just so funny. That he... Oh. <laughs> I like that. And I wonder if, you know, they, I, I've never really got an official assignation of his suicide note. You know, I'm on that list where I'm the first to be told about the, what, what, what is it called? Bye Bye Cliff Notes or something? I have that app. But um, <laughs> I think George Sanders killed himself because he was, uh, he said he was just bored. He said, I'm not. I'm trying to clear up why I'm doing this. I'm not sick. I'm not tired. I'm not uh, depressed. I haven't just realized I married Jaja instead of Ava. Uh, it's just that I'm bored. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, dear world, I am leaving because I am bored. That's exactly what he wrote. Is that what he said? Yeah. Hmm. George Sanders. Not George Saunders, who wrote the book. I guess they're different people. <laughs> yeah. Why do you have to put me down, man? Huh? <laughs> no, I don't want to look dumb. It's me. I'm the one who looks bad. You're like, you're like Jimmy Dean's mother in Rebel Without a Cause. Why do you have to put me down? Dad, why do you have an apron on? <laughs> because it's all I know. <laughs> Did you ever see that scene? Jimmy's sitting there. Jimmy Dean. 
And yeah, I know. Because, uh, well, we're linked through sausage. But um, <laughs> I know Square is going to tell Jimmy Dean which side of the road to drive on. But um, oh, he had the red coat on, the white T-shirt, the blue jeans, and, he, and he's down at the police station. And they pick him up, take him home. And then he's having a heart-to-heart with his dad, Jim Backus. Mr. Magoo's the dad. And I think at one point he does that voice in the thing. Not as Magoo, but he has to do some voice when he's out of the room. I'll just get some da-da-da. You know, he does the Magoo thing. Which is surreal to hear Mr. Magoo turn up in a Nick Gregg. Is it Nick Gray? Nick Gray or Nick Gregg? Forget. I get those two confused. But it's a brilliant, whoever the director is, and I should get it right. I think it's Nick Gray. I think Nick Gregg came later and did Man Who Fought Earth and stuff like that. So Nick Ray, and you might look that one up, Christian, because I don't want to screw that up. Uh, has Jim Backus come in to have a heart-to-heart with his son, and he's got like a, a lace apron on. And it incenses James Dean. Sure. Who I, I have to admit, sometimes when guys go early, they overrate the stuff. And East of Eden, I just can't watch because, uh, you know, it just it's not for me. Although Joe Van Fleet, very good, wins an Oscar for that. But uh, Raymond Massey's a little too over the top, and the story doesn't grab me as much. Giant, I love. I think he's brilliant in Giant. And uh, he's brilliant in, uh, he might might even be brilliant in East of Eden, Kazan's film, but the story doesn't grab me. But uh, I often think of going up and seeing that spot. So something about him must have resonated with me. Uh, I don't know, you know, he, quite frankly, uh, he did not need a fourth, fifth, and sixth film because somewhere along the way it was going to be an Ishtar, you know, and that would sully the uh, deal, <laughs> you know, the immortality when you're, uh, you know, like Brando, <laughs> guys and dolls, you know. But um, he was he was really good. I think I want to go see that spot sometimes. I'll have to look up where that is, although I'm sure, Christ, we so... Uh, infantilize the culture. I'm sure nobody wants to show you where it's at anymore because it's a morbid trip, man. Yeah. Just don't follow his path, brother. Yeah. Anywho. And yes, Nick Ray was the director of Rebel Without Cause. R-A-Y. R-A-Y, correct. Yeah. And there's a brilliant, weird documentary somewhere where Ray drummed out of Hollywood because it's just too hard. That's the worst thing you can get assigned to you in Hollywood is that life's too short. They'll put up with anything. And indeed, they like it in a way. If you slap them around a little and you're a diva, you know, stuff like that, you can last a long time in Liz Taylor land. But if you're if you're not just diva-esque, but actually start putting producers in trouble because you're shitting on minions, like it, it, all of a sudden the word goes out, life's too short and you're dead. I think that's what happened to Ray. And he ended up teaching a uh, film course at some upstate SUNY system school, I think, or something weird like that. And they had black and white footage of him in an acting class. And uh, listen, if you're not watching the Banana Splits for the 14th time tonight, you might want to go over and watch that and just hum, na, 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 over it, because it's the same same plot. Dennis, we have one more voicemail before we go, and it's one more joke for you to review. This is voicemail number seven. Dave in San Jose, California. Love the show. Biden is deteriorating faster than that cat who drank from the false grail. By November, 
you'll be a pile of dust under a black mask and aviator sunglasses. Take care. Bye-bye. Hmm. I like a good grail joke. You know that. Oh, I do too. By the way, Michael Palin uh, all healed up for his fans. Glad to hear that. I interacted with him yesterday just to see how he was, and he's doing well. And uh, Grail just reminded me that I know he has a lot of fans out there, and he's up and humming. I'm glad to hear it. Hard work of that guy, man. Uh, I like the Grail part, and then well, it, it got just down pretty basic, so a thing of dust. Yeah, that's, uh, I guess in the third Indiana Jones movie when the, the, the wrong knight touches the wrong grail or something he turns into dust so i think that's yeah, i would i would i'd make that a little more doubt in instead of just pile of dust and aviators i, I might have gone uh I, I can't tell if he's a pile of gold frankincense or myrrh right now well it's not myrrh because <laughs> it's not out with uh Ava Gabor. <laughs> you've been listening to the gold frankincense and mirth show well there were some nights that ava had the coin flip because both caesar romero and Merv Griffin asked her to go out and, let's say, protect the brand. <laughs> Still the best Joker ever on screen. Oh, please. Please. And that scene where he, uh, folks, if you haven't seen Cesar Romero, first force Burt Ward's head down on the number two lead pencil. Why did you do the the dog who wants the cookie? No, and that's the Zima my real laugh dog at that. Wants a biscuit, and he'll float <laughs> through the air. Now, listen. Let me ask you this, Christian. You're a dog. Obviously, when you laugh, obviously. you have emphysema. Mm -hmm. They offer mm -hmm. you a biscuit that allows you to sure. float. If you were a dog, and I know dogs don't have the most evolved brains, but more evolved than you think, yeah. would you rather be a slow-moving, emphysemic dog who really couldn't do treadmill or a mountain hike or anything, but but had the ability to float? I would like to float. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That distances you from the other dogs. Yeah, I'm going. I'm going float. All right. Definitely go and float. Yeah. And that always leads to my corollary question. Why do all the most blessed creatures in the universe with the ability to fly without even thinking twice about it use that power of flight to alight on piles of shit and eat them <laughs> that's all folks if you take anything bye bye thanks for listening to the dennis miller option exclusively on westwood one tune in to new episodes every tuesday and thursday on the westwood one app westwoodone.com and on apple podcasts and remember to rate, review, and share. Until next time, that's the show, and we are out of here. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. Oh.